Hello and welcome to the Lee Hecht Harrison podcast, a place where we'll be sharing insights and discussions about workforce transformation and what that means to you, the people of HR. Personnel today describe HR transformation as the process of implementing change to the way in which the organisation as a whole delivers HR. A recent survey by Deloitte highlighted that 88% of organisations say they're about to start or have started to transform their organisation. Today, we're talking with four HR leaders about their personal experiences. Here in Black's Club in Soho, I'm delighted to have Linda Hatcher. Hello. Laura Welsh. Hi. Sean O'Brien. Hi. And Sally Livermore. Hi, Kerry. HR transformation is a buzzword in the media right now. I'm wondering if we could start by exploring if and how you are experiencing it in your role. Laura. It's funny, I've been working in HR for a long time and I don't think we've ever talked about anything other than HR transformation in my career. So it is in the press a lot, we hear a lot about it, but I don't get the sense that, you know, there's a lot more going on now than there has... We've always been talking about it and not always succeeding, but the technology hopefully is changing now, but we need to invest in it if we're going to, if we're actually going to achieve it. Sally? Yeah, well, my experience actually, picking up from what Laura said, is about the technology. So I've, I've spent a lot of time in my career working with implementing new HR technology. Um, and I'm working on a couple of projects at the moment where we're putting in large new cloud HR systems. Um, the challenge, I think, and I'm, I'm sure we're going to come on to this a bit later as well, the challenge really is there's the technology, but what does that actually mean for the organisation? Um, and one of the things that I spend a lot of time talking to people about is yeah, the technology is great, but how is it actually going to transform the way your organisation works? Is it going to help your bottom line? Is it going to mean a different way of working for people? So for me, that that's really my experience, my main experience of HR transformation, although I tend to agree. I've been in HR a long time too, and we've talked about it for as long as I've been in HR. Linda, would you agree? Uh, no, actually, I'm not sure I would. Uh, I've been in and around, we're all sounding very old here, aren't we? But I've also been in and around HR for some time, and... I have some difficulty with the idea of HR transformation because I think it implies starting from a static position and moving to another static position. And I think that technology is a huge enabler and enables a step change to be achieved. But actually, in my experience of, of HR in reality, it's actually more about continual improvement rather than transformation per se. Sean, what's your view? No, I would agree. I think when you talk about transformation, it's almost thinking about you're becoming a redundant department and having to make it relevant again. And I think if you're in that position, if you're in that unfortunate position, you know, you've got to question are you working for the right company. I think it's not so much transformation, it's about continuous change. And again, you talk about transformation, it's almost implying that you can change everything at one time, in one single point of time, which can't be done. It has to be an ongoing process. But also it's not just about changing things, it's changing people and changing minds and hearts. And that's a long you know, that takes a lot, a lot of work and a lot, long time to do. So it sounds like we're all experiencing HR transformation or ongoing continuous change in our organisations right now. What do you think is driving this? I think the, the world of work is really changing and I'm looking at the, the, you know, the next generation of the workforce coming through and we, we have to, companies have to adapt to what, you know, the whole new world of work, the gig economy, the, the, the way that we fundamentally operate is changing you know the the unions are challenging the the five-day week so who knows what's going to happen in the next 20 or 30 years and we as a 
profession need to be looking forward to what skills are our businesses going to need in 5, 10, 20 years? Are the businesses as we know them today even going to exist? And that's kind of the, the really big stuff, but it's kind of pairing that down to what we're doing today and how do we kind of change an inch in that direction? Yeah, no, I think Laura's making some really interesting points and a couple of other things I think I would add to that is that I think there are probably two drivers uh, around transformation, continuous improvement, wh whatever we're calling it, and that is that it's either usually about cost reduction or value improvement, and I think that I probably see a bit of both. So I think the value improvement is about just providing a better service um, that matches people's changing expectations in the way that Laura has described and I think the second thing around cost is is simply about running our function in the way that all functions should run more efficiently um, and I think again that's where technology is it can be a real um, help in terms of um, enabling that to happen. No I agree with um, technology I think if you think about just personnel as it was called in the 80s that had to change and it changed again in the 90s when you know the internet started coming around you know, 20 years later, technology is, you know, it's growing and growing and it's doing things that we didn't even imagine it could do a couple of years ago. So companies and, you know, particularly HR departments now, they need to start thinking about how they can become more digital. And when you look at HR processes, you know, they're not traditionally digital. And so we need to look at everything that we're doing now and see how we can digitize that. And to do that, it costs a lot of money. But if we want to build a HR, you know, function that's relevant tomorrow, then that's what we need to do and we've got to think about how we do that. Is what you read about HR transformation in the media uh, a good reflection of what you're actually experiencing day to day or is it a bit hyped? I think it's a bit hyped. You know, the, the media talk about this overwhelmingly big, huge, grand transformation and, you know, we're on this road, this destination, where we're going to get to, we're going to end up. And they make it out to be this big, huge programme and they kind of forget about this continuous improvement of its change. I think HR functions need to have, you know, a change manager, a change a portfolio manager, somebody who's constantly looking at how we're changing and how we're evolving. And I think a lot of companies, kind of the bigger companies who can afford that that kind of program, that investment, are doing that. And I think the media kind of get onto this word of transformation and they think of this big, huge agenda going on. And I just don't think in real life it's it's like that. Yeah, no, I agree with that completely. In the sense that you, a lot of what we see is initiatives that are being taken by companies like Apple and Google who've got all that investment in technology um, who can afford to have their employees come in on scooters and dance around and play ping pong but you know in their breaks whereas actually the reality is for most companies it's a slog and we're in a they're in a really competitive environment which is constantly changing trying really hard to keep up um, so real focus on the business side making sure they've got the right people doing the right job it's the basics um, so yes, there's a lot of I, I think there's a lot of hype in the media. These things will come, but um, we talked about employee self-service for 15 years before it became a reality. You know, we, we inverted triangles, which talked about HR admin moving from the, the bottom to the top or the top to the bottom. You know, for years and years before these things became reality. So there is a lot of hype. I don't think we are anywhere near what the what the what the media would have us think is current transformation. But I do think. When we start talking about the future, HR, future of HR over the next few years, then some of that will certainly need to become a reality for HR. Yeah, and I think just to build on what Sally is saying in terms of, and, and, and Kerry's question around the press, um, at the media, at the risk of sounding really cynical, um, 
I will pay more attention to an article around HR transformation if it's not written or promoted by the HR person, which sounds awful and sounds very, very cynical. <laughs> um, but I do think there's a risk that HR transformation, as we originally described it, those sort of big bang, big change projects, can often be vanity projects. Um, and I think that there's a real risk with that. And so actually, I have much more credence for things that I read that are uh, presented by CFOs, CEOs, um, who can actually really talk about the business benefit, because there is business benefit in, in those big changes, despite what I was saying earlier on. But I just think you have to just be careful about not believing everything that we read. Picking up on your point, Linda, where you mentioned some of these projects can sometimes come across as vanity projects. Um, are some of the larger HR transformation projects or initiatives that you've experienced, do they tend to be instigated by the HR department themselves or by the CEO or another member of the C-suite? They often go hand in hand, actually, because I think that sometimes you'll have a CEO who will bring in a new HR director um, because they want to bring about change and so actually your HR person is joining uh, with the agenda of bringing about change um, so I don't actually think it's necessarily either or I think it can be a bit of both and they do go hand in hand. Uh, so my, my current company our CEO the CIO and our HR director are doing visits to the likes of Amazon, Google, Apple and they're going into their building they're looking at what the employee experience is like and they're talking to different HR professionals in, in those businesses to get an idea of who we want to be as a business, who they are as a business and if we can marry the two um, and instead of copying what Google or Amazon or Apple are doing, you know, because it, it's, it's not fit for every company, it's looking at can we take certain initiatives from those and, and do it ourselves. So it's actually something that's been driven by our CEO and CIOs specifically. Um, mainly because we've got a new group HR director in, um, but it's not something I don't think that has specifically been driven by HR. I think in my experience, I think the best changes are always driven right from the very top of the business. If the CEO is on board or the MD, then it, it will happen and it will be more successful. Um, usually when they've been led by HR, it's I, in my experience, it's because the HRD has been given a remit to, to look at cost effectiveness and cost efficiency, and it's more around, you know, how are we going to rejig things to to save money rather than really transform and and perform better i think one of the interesting things about that question is who the hrd is and and where they've come from um, one thing we've seen perhaps a little bit more over the last 10 years is hr directors who've actually come out of the business rather than from an hr background and i think that can actually influence what those types of projects are and, and also how they're received Interestingly, Sally, you've just you mentioned about the background of HR directors being different. Um, what do you think the the ongoing HR transformation means for future HR directors in terms of their skill set or their career path? It's a really good question, actually. Um, looking at what the future of HR is, we, we again historically we've had lots of different models around HR. In fact, I went to a talk last night which was talking about the history of the the HR model and the roles of people in HR. Um, the roles of the business partner, the three-legged stool, all those, all those things that we've all been through, I'm sure. Um, and what, what is that going to look like in the future? Um, 
it's it's hard to say. I think that there is going to be a significant change, um, which is going to be much more focused around, to a degree, um, the design of the organisation. We, we've talked about organisational design in HR for years, but I think that's becoming much more important. The war for talent, we've been talking about that for years and years, um, but it's still really relevant in today. Also, now we're talking a lot about big data. Um, again, if you actually read in the press, the people have been talking about it for 10, 15 years, but it's now, this is now coming a little bit more into the reality, into our everyday life in, in HR. And so there's a role there for HR, a changing role in actually being able to do data. For a long time, HR professionals have sort of stood away from data. It's been a remit of the finance department or of somebody else. But it's becoming something now that's really important for HR people to understand what their data looks like, to be able to pull out insights that are actually going to help the organisation move forward. Um, I so. completely agree with everything you said there, Sally. I think I, I've got a kind of uh, quite a firm view that the skills that we have in it, we still need all the skills we have today because actually, let's not forget our current people in HR are brilliant and have such a broad skill set because what we do is a mixture of counsellor, psychologists, pay experts, you know, compl oh, compliance, Sally is whispering in my ear. Yeah, <laughs> all the many things that we do, it's so broad. But I think it, what we need in the future is we need people who can code because we need to take our HR systems and we need people who can actually manipulate them in situ to gain better insights from the data that we have. We need people who are marketeers. We actually need more marketing skills in HR because it's so much these days is about our employer brand and how we can improve it. And in the world of Glassdoor and, you know, the sort of trip advisor of the employment world, we, we need to be better and smarter and slicker. And we need the proper skills of marketers to help us do that. Yeah, I think what we're doing, uh, perhaps inadvertently, is highlighting a number of fairly generic trends. So insight from data, absolutely, but that's not unique to the HR function, that's unique to most functions. Um, and also, I think, uh, just leading back to, to Kerry's question, I think the common thing in all professions increasingly will probably be where you start is not where you end up. So um, for somebody wanting to build a career in HR, there is probably an argument these days to say, don't start there, um, <laughs> which is a bit perverse. But I think that we will, um, and, and that's just not unique to HR. I think all, all areas of business, uh, people will tend to start in one place and, and, and move around and experience much more broader things than uh, perhaps has been the case uh, up until relatively recently. I think I'd slightly disagree in telling people not to start off in HR. I think you can definitely start your career in HR. I've you know, always been in HR, but it's about adapting and, and learning. So I think you know, people coming into HR from the business and coming in, I think it's also important for the HR to understand the business as well. So to become more commercially minded. So you know, when I talk about my own development, you know, I've always worked in HR, I've got a HR degree, and my boss said to me, you know, you know, what's next for you, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to understand the business. I want to be able to look at a set of accounts and go, I understand that, I get that, and here's how HR can add value. So at the moment, I'm going through my MBA to be able to understand you know, financial management, to understand strategic marketing, to understand how HR can add value into those. And it's about bringing the business into HR and bringing HR into the business. So, uh, Sean, it's quite interesting. I think we're probably in violent agreement because I think what I'm hearing you saying is actually in order to broaden your career, you're doing stuff which is outside of HR. 
So interestingly, building on all your points, I was reading a survey, HR transformation survey by KPMG, and they asked the question, what lens are you using to uh, achieve HR transformation? And in third place was the role of the HR business partner changing, and that was, the, that was given a 44% rating in third place. The actual top one was giving line managers more people management skills, and that was 63%. So crucial so crucial yeah. I think it's what you were saying before it's one of those things that has been a constant and will continue to be a constant despite HR transformation being a buzzword what excites you about HR transformation for me uh, my background's technology I love the technology I get really excited I'm such a geek when it comes <laughs> to technology um, so I mean my current role I'm tending to work with the very large ERP um, technologies which can be exciting and when they start talking about some of the um, additional AI components that they're looking to bring in, that's, that excites me. A lot of the, the smaller, best of breed type technologies out there, new stuff that's coming in. Um, again, digital assistance, you know, something popping off my phone and saying, oh, look, I've worked out your expenses. Is this right? Um, yes or no sort of thing. I love all that. Um, so for me, it's very much around the technology. I'm excited by that. We've talked a little bit around it already, but I do really think that the roles in HR that are that are coming through now are really interesting. You know, I mean, I've I've spent my whole career in pretty much my whole career in HR. I did do something else first, which gave me a good insight to be out in the business, actually. Um, but I think these new roles, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not sure I want to code and do digital. I, I like the insight aspect of it, but looking at the data, whatever. Um, but I, I think some of those other roles, um, the marketing side of it, um, I think they're really great. I think it's a great time to be in HR. Huge opportunities. Yeah, I, I agree. I think building onto technology, um, you know, we have to use data. And I think data is so important, but it's what we do with the data as well. Wouldn't it be great if we were able to take that data and look at who is our high potentials in the business? Who are the people who are really performing and who is really underperforming? And take that, that manager bias out of it. And what is the data saying as opposed to what does the manager think or feel? That's what I want to know. I want to know who really is the next top star in the business that can really drive change and value in future. Agree completely. Another another side of that data as well is actually looking at areas where you can really positively benefit the business from a cost saving or a cost bottom line perspective. So looking at peaks, for instance, in where overtime's occurring and looking at the working patterns there and maybe suggesting changes in working patterns, which means you're not paying time and a half, you're actually just changing the way that organisation is responding to need. Laura, what are you excited about? What am I excited about? Oh, wow. I think everything that everyone's already said, I think I'm excited about watching the development of the profession because I think we have talked about HR transformation for years and years, but I think the technology is now becoming easy enough to use and hopefully cheap enough because that's my concern is that we're going to end up with a like a two-speed system where you've got the big companies who've invested in the great systems and and they're using all the data analytics and they're kind of leading the way but then there'll be everybody else like and um you know maybe older more conservative com companies that don't have the investment or can't persuade their their boards of the benefits of uh, you know you are going to get return on this investment um, and it'll just create a two-tier system so I'm a bit concerned that you know some people are going to whoosh off and others will get left behind but you know we can't forget the fundamentals of what we do and how we are there to support our people and our business and our managers as well but I'm, I'm I like change I'm I'm a bit of a 
um, a strange person like that, I don't mind operating in ambiguity. And I think that is actually one of the key skills that, that our businesses need going forward is able to operate in a, a rapid pace with huge change and huge ambiguity. Uh, yeah, just to build on that, um, in terms of HR transformation, uh, I think the most exciting thing is, as we've already discussed, is the potential that technology has as an enabler um, to achieve step change. However, most of my profession has been working in the area of sort of culture and behaviours, and I think that it would be a shame if we use technology to the point where actually we became quite cold and overly rational. At the end of the day, we are a function there to support the business through engagement, culture, performance, etc. And absolutely agree with what Sean was saying in terms of using technology to enable us to make rational decisions. But let's not also lose sight of the fact that some people perform better in different environments or working for different managers than others. And the human element of what we do, I don't think will ever change. So in a way, that's the bit that excites me about the transformational challenge is marrying the technology with the insight around psychology and culture and change and what that has the power to enable us to achieve. It's a really good point and I think there's a stat and you may even have it Kerry which is that <laughs> the percentage of uh, transformation projects that fail 44% She does indeed have the stat <laughs> and, and a, lot of, a lot of these technology particularly technology projects they will fail because the change aspect of that the, the actual ways of working the cultural change um, the, the the transformation within the organization hasn't actually been managed yeah I was going to say just built just building on that Sally it was the KPMG survey and yeah 44% felt their HR transformation projects were not meeting expectations and I think building on your point the when it was broken down into the IT related projects it was up there in the 80% that's my experience well, I was I was just going to sorry I was just going to talk about um, we we have as as a profession we haven't even figured out how to measure ourselves in a coherent way yet, so you know we've got all this that we or we're getting all this data and insight and analysis but we don't it, you know some of the I want to talk to Linda's point because she's absolutely right we can't lose the human and some of the metrics that you see that you know there's like all these thousands of metrics which are all very regulated and if you measure and benchmark different companies against those metrics it becomes really cold and clinical and you can't you kind of lose that element exactly as Linda was saying and that's that you know we haven't figured out a way to capture the human yet in a way that kind of shareholders understand and want to see in an annual report. You know I agree around the KPIs when you're measuring transformation what does success look like and how do you measure success I don't think a lot of companies have got that right how can you tell if you've if, you know you've done this transformation piece how do you say we've done we've done it yeah how do you measure that you've been successful in doing it or that it was the right thing to do or it was the right approach to take you you know how, how do we, how do you do that i don't think companies have got that right just yet so building on your point sally about lots of hr transformation projects not working what do you think is the one main thing that we are consistently getting wrong as to why that figure is so high and continues to be so high. They do it from the top down, not the bottom up. You just explained. Inter yeah, it, sorry. <laughs> and you, and you, said, you said that very eloquently. And I, <laughs> I talking about. So I think <laughs> it's, it's about change being imposed from the top. So the people at the top of the business take a view 
of this is how it should be and this is what what good looks like and this is how we're going to get there and i think um actually it's the people at the top of the business can have great ideas and can have thoughts about this is where we want to go um, but actually i think they can do a lot more to work with their people to design is to check is this a good idea is this the right direction and and design how we're going to get there i think the main reason why they change is a symptom of shortening 10 years of people in senior roles so i think the hr transformation is no different from any other change program um, uh, you know actually if we're increasingly measuring things through a particular lens um, and setting objectives and kpis which are predominantly short term then actually you kind of get what you measure <laughs> sounds like a political system <laughs> Short-term oh, tenure. Oh, oh. <laughs> no, no, I just, I mean, we... <laughs> okay, all right, all right. This is I, not I've the Brexit podcast. <laughs> we could talk about that. No, that large, to some extent. Where was I going to go with this? So it's interesting, actually, to talk about why projects fail. I mean, there are so many models of change management, and HR have made, and people around HR have made up these... Got so many. I mean, I can't even think of one, but there are. <laughs> someone will come up with a name shortly. But there's, there's so many different models of change management. And actually, they're not wrong. Mm. There is, you know, it's what you say. You have to understand why you're, what is the reason for the change, you know, and, and engage people in that change, create the need for the change. And, and it's, a lot of this is about the communication. A lot of it is about people understanding what the benefits are, both for the organisation and for themselves. And it's that whole you know, are we imposing it? If it's being imposed, then you have to be clear that this is a change that has to happen. These are the reasons they have to happen. Um, and then work the best way you can with the people in the organisation to make that happen. I think a lot of it has to do with companies saying stagnant for so long. And then it gets to a point where they say, right quickly, we've got to transform. And I think they do too much at the one time and they don't know what to focus on. And ultimately they've got, you know, juggling too many balls and everything just drops. I think you need to you know, go back to that kind of continuous improvement, you know, constant change, doing a little bit at a time and doing it over, you know, four or five year period, but then constantly reviewing that again. It's not something that can be, you know, done over one, you know, two year period. Let's transform everything that we are. It won't work. I think that's what goes wrong so many times. I think a good acid test for anybody, not just in, in a senior role in HR, but any discipline, um, is are you having conversations a year to 18 months ahead of when you need to be having them? That sounds like a good test. Are, I, but it is. It's, are you thinking strategically? Are you, are you actually planning your business? Or are you looking only at, oh, are, you know, are we hitting the numbers in this quarter? And what are our shareholders going to say at the ATM in six months' time? And if you are, then you're not going to succeed in change. It comes back a little bit to what you said, Linda. It's all short-term. And as long as things are short-term and people are looking at the next three months, six months, this year, and there's a, there's a need to do that. Um, but that then becomes the key, key focus. And so that continuous change doesn't happen. It's like, we need to do this now, right? Everything else drops, we'll do this now. I think that that's really common in HR as well as in the rest of the business. I think HR is tend to be seen as reactionary instead of instead of proactive. That's what needs to change. Do you see that changing? I think a lot a lot more CEOs and directors are understanding the value of HR and the HR profession. I think slowly but surely, and I think it varies as well from company to company because I've worked in companies before where HR was just not at the table and they became stagnant and 
you know, nothing happened, nothing changed, which is even worse than doing a transformation program and failing. Um, it, I think depending on the company, um, it is. This is where predictive analytics can come in and really help out in terms of that being proactive. It enables HR to look forward rather than just to respond to things that are happening in the organisation. Spotting trends, um, particularly extrapolating that data, looking forward, being able to say, we know that we've got, uh, we're going to do this in six months or in a year. We know we're going to need to bring in another 200 people with this expertise, or we know we've got to, you know, 50 people retiring over the next five years. We need to really drill into the experience there, make sure we're not losing this. Do you think, so I was going to say, do you, do you think, um, you know, we've talked a lot about HR needing to be proactive and you've also mentioned a number of different kind of skill sets that will come to the fore uh, for HR. Is the way that HR professionals be, are being trained and developed changing fast enough? No. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't see anything in the the modern curriculum of, of what people in the UK are doing um, in terms of the, the skills that we were talking around analytics, um, business awareness, that real business, you know, it, I, if you are going to get a master's degree in HR, you should be talking about finance, you should be talking about marketing, or not as much as, but almost as much as the, the, all the collective things you're doing. I, I think it, it's harder for somebody to to do well in HR if they're starting out today because you need an even broader skill set. It's it's difficult. You know, you mentioned degrees. I was wondering whether trade qualifications or other professional qualifications like CIPD are kind of changing their curriculum uh, to reflect the new skill set or whether they're not. I, I haven't seen that. I hope, I very much hope that they're looking at that and um, but I, I don't know whether they are. I mean, it's a number of years since I've completed my CIPD but there are people um, in my team at the moment who are undergoing the CIPD and you know they're coming to me and asking me different questions about you know different modules it doesn't seem to have changed that much from what I've completed it myself so you know whether it's it's changing or not I'm not convinced it is okay and, and then one final question what one piece of advice would you give to a HR leader that was about to embark on a HR transformation project be really really clear about your vision and mission and communicate that? Yep, I was gonna say, um, which might be five questions in one, uh, can you answer who, why, what, where, when and how? And if you can't, don't start. I think it comes down to looking at what does success look like and how do you measure that? I think what goes wrong a lot of the time is companies get to a place where they think they've transformed, but they're not quite sure if they have or not. So it's being able to measure the success and to be able to say whether they've been you know, gone through that transformation or not. Can I just say you've left me nothing? <laughs> I, I agree with everybody. I, I don't really know what I can add to that. I, I completely agree. It's about being 100% clear about your outcomes, about how you're going to do it, um, the reasons for doing it. Um, all of those things that you've said, I agree with completely. Thank you all for joining us today and for sharing your thoughts. Laura, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Sally, been a pleasure, thanks. Linda, thank you very much. It's Sean. Thanks very much. Thanks for listening to the Lee Hecht Harrison podcast. If you want to find out more about what we do, visit our website at www.lhh.com. Produced by The Podcast Company.